appreciate your singing and a song leader and a pianist. So thank you for filling in Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12. Would you turn there tonight? Proverbs chapter 12. And uh, we'll look at another subject as we have opportunity on this, uh, this Wednesday evening. We'll be picking up our kids' meetings uh, starting again next week. Usually just take a couple weeks around Christmas. I think that's, uh, that's probably more for the teacher's sake than anyone's sake. <laughs> no, no uh, it just gives, gives a break. So, uh, But we'll get back to it next week, Lord willing. But uh, tonight, I really think uh, what we're going to look at is appropriate for all, and, um, and I hope you'll be uh, challenged by it as, um, as I was, as I was preparing for things, and, um, and I'll, I'll wait just a minute before we get those out. All right, um, <clears throat> you're there in Proverbs chapter 12. Let's pray, ask the Lord to direct our steps. Uh, Lord, we do need your help. We're thankful that your spirit gives us understanding and opens our eyes to, uh, to truth, and uh, that, that is one of his ministries. And so uh, please give us understanding to the word tonight. Uh, help us to be, uh, I pray, touched with the truths of uh, the book of Proverbs that we'll look at, the, the subject study. And uh, I pray that uh, you would just help us tonight and that you would be honored and glorified in all that's said. Help me to say the things that I ought and, and uh, just touch our hearts. Help us to see the truth uh, laid out before us tonight clearly and, um, and to evaluate our lives in light of it and be pleasing to you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Lady by the name of Kathleen was sharing a, a testimony that she had in a journal, and she wrote these words. She said, uh, she entitled it, What I Learned in a Cramped and Cluttered Motorhome. Uh, after the winter of record-breaking rainfall, we could sympathize with Noah, she wrote. Uh, the windows of our 1970 vintage 27-foot motorhome dripped with condensation. Water ran down the walls. Before long, I noticed wet carpet around the perimeter of our home constantly. Mold and mildew grew under the kitchen counter. Uh, what were we doing in that cramped, damp motorhome? My husband, a Christian for two years, wanted to learn more about the scriptures, and so we decided to attend a nine-month Bible school that would cover everything from Genesis to Revelation. Since that meant uh, Daryl could only work part-time, we needed to lower our living expenses. Uh, the motorhome, we decided at the time, uh, was the best way to accomplish that. But as the months unfolded, I began to question our ability to make decisions. Daryl, 12-year-old Ariel, and I bumped into each other going from one end of the house to the other. When I cooked, they had to sit down and stay there until dinner was ready. We constantly shuffled books from table to counter and back again. A place for nothing and nothing in its place seemed to be our motto. I longed for a bookcase, a shoe rack, floor space. Our clothes fit so tightly in one closet, they didn't need hangers to stay put. Summer found us still camping in the motorhome. Uh, the rain no longer trapped us inside, but I knew the wet season would soon return. The clutter continued, no room for guests, no door to close for solitude or privacy. Feelings as well as toes got stepped on just about every day. 
Father God, she wrote, will I ever have a real house again? A cloud of discontent loomed over each day. And then one Sunday morning in church, God seemed to answer my question with one of his own. What about the home you've given me? The Lord's question stopped me cold. I marveled that I hadn't considered his viewpoint during my months of grumbling about what I had. The time had come to get my eyes off my surroundings and look at my heart, the home I'd given to Jesus some 10 years earlier. The tour I took of my heart home revealed it was filled with damp discontent more than our motor home. Ingratitude had spread like mold. I saw clutter everywhere. The cares of this life, the desire for other things took up so much space they left little room for God and his word. Kathleen went on to share some of the lessons she learned that day as God spoke to her heart. But one that certainly could be made uh, is this. The house you have is the house you make. That truth is one of three that the book of Proverbs is going to teach us this evening. And I hope you'll listen closely because it's not just this woman who had a problem with her, her home, if you say her life, but her home. Uh, but you need to think about your home. And our study in Proverbs um, is going to be found, or is found in Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 7. It says, the wicked are overthrown and are not, but the house of the righteous shall stand. As I was reading through chapter 12, and by the way, I, I, if there's any hope in this, um, chapters 10 and 11, we basically took a lot of subjects and we've already preached through them in Proverbs. So things will move more quickly uh, now as we uh, basically will skip a number of verses that we've already covered or we've already talked about. But as I was reading through chapter 12 and kind of preparing and making a list of things that may be subjects to look at, uh, I was, we had already looked at the wicked and the righteous, and I knew that from verse 7. But that phrase, the house of the righteous shall stand, uh, kind of stood out to me this, this past week, actually. And so um, just did a quick search of the word house in the book of Proverbs. And uh, as I did, I found that uh, there are 38 times this word is actually found in the book of Proverbs. And after looking though over, a few thoughts kind of began to form in my mind in regard to the home. And I actually thought we were going to make a list of um, uh, you know, home types. I was going to ask you to start the service. What, kind of, what type home do you have? You know, like a ranch, two-door, 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 two-door. Two-door, a two-door. Do you have a two-door house? You have a four-door house. Okay, I have a three-door house. Uh, two-door. Uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, boy, it's getting carried away now. We're not, we're not going there, right? But uh, actually, I was thinking more of the types that are talked in Proverbs, not, uh, not a, a colonial or a ranch or a two-door, <clears throat> you know, or whatever. Um, but uh, a troubled home, a righteous home, a wicked home, a proud home, a greedy home. Uh, those are types we can find there. But three basic points emerged, and I just want to share them with you. In fact, the outline is, believe it or not, really short. Okay? Wow. Hey, who said yay? Did my wife say yay? All right. All right. The outline is very short because I'd like to just share with you the three 
overall thoughts that came to my mind. Now, I, I do warn you, they're thought-provoking, at least I believe so. Um, caused me to sit back and think about some things. But as I was reading through uh, that the different verses that deal with the house, uh, or at least mention house, uh, there's three thoughts that come to mind. And the first is this. A house is known by the conduct or character of the people living within it. By the way, I knew we'd have families here tonight, so this really is a good, a good family message. It's, it's really fitting for everyone in the home, no matter what age you are. But it's important for us to understand this, and the first truth I want you to kind of grasp is the house is known by the conduct or character of the people living within it. Notice that that truth is actually brought out in chapter 12 and verse 7. The wicked are overthrown, but the house of the righteous shall stand. So if we want to describe it, we could call it the righteous house, but why do we call it a righteous house? It's not because it's a building. We say, wow, that house is righteous. It's because the people within it are living in such a way. And we could go through, and we're not going to take time, but if you were to do a study of that word and look through the book of Proverbs, you would find that there are numerous examples or pictures of that. For, let me, I'll give you a couple, and, and again, we're not going to take time to go through all of them. In Proverbs 2.18, the Bible says this. I want you to think with me. For her house inclineth unto death, and her paths unto the dead. And that is one of the first mentions of the word house in the book of Proverbs. So who is it talking about in Proverbs chapter 2? For her house inclineth unto death, and her paths unto the dead. Okay, the immoral, we would call it the, the immoral, that's a word we would use. What's the word used in scripture in Proverbs chapter 2? The strange woman. Um, so that's whose house it is. Now, why do we call it that? Because of the character, because of the conduct of the person who lives in that house. So her house, the house of the strange woman, inclines unto death. Uh, take a look at chapter 14 and verse 11. And there we have, in, in chapter 12 and verse 7, we have the house of the righteous. What do we find in verse 11? We have the house of the wicked. Uh, look, if you would, at chapter 15 and verse 25. Someone want to read that verse? 15:25. Go ahead, it's just us here. Someone. So what do you find there? What kind of house? All right, the house of the proud. Um, and chapter 24 and verse 30. In chapter 24, verse 30. Now, it's interesting because it doesn't mention a house here, but it talks about someone's property. He says, I, I went by the field of who? The slothful. All right, so many times when you go through Proverbs, and in fact, a, a great number of times, you're going to find that it's a description of the people, the character or the conduct of the people that live within that house. Um, in 1995, we moved to the small town of Gibson City, Illinois, to take over a church. And there weren't, weren't a lot of home options uh, in the town. Our house hunting basically consisted of a guy who had lived in town all his life who was the realtor. I think there might have been other realtors in town. I'm not really sure. I think he's probably about the only one, quite frankly. 
Uh, he also had, I think, an auction house or something to that effect. Um, so he was kind of like a, he'd been here all his life. He had done it uh, all his life or whatever. And so um, he showed us one home. Um, and it was almost as if he had decided that that was the home we were going to buy. Because when I asked about looking at others, he basically, he basically uh, said, well, this is it. So when we arrived at 123 West 4th Street, I love that. I can't forget that address, you know. So, I, I mean, I can even remember 1234, you know. So when we arrived at that, at that house, one of the first comments he made was not about the house, but about the house across the street. And you say, why? Well, because it was a dump. It had various things out in the yard. It, was, uh, it really was in bad shape. Uh, about 15 feet from the side entrance, it had a cast iron tub. And we're not talking about one that was there for decoration. It was one that was, I believe, taken out of the house and had been in the house probably for years. And it was just sitting in the yard with a bunch of stuff in it. And uh, I think some things growing in it as well. So, you know, it was just, that was the way it was. And, and the thing is, he made a comment. And, it, and before we even, well, actually, I don't know if we just pointed over at it or we were looking at it. <laughs> he just knew, well, we got to deal with this issue. So let me just tell you about those people. And he didn't say much, but he commented something like this. They've lived in that place all their lives. It's always looked like that. The children have homes in town. Uh, the children of this, this family, they lo all look like that as well. And so that was basically, you know, like, a, you know, kind of a, a, a fact of life. He understood, and anyone who came to give us this city would understand. That's just the way these people were. Now, if you're wondering, the tub was still in the same place when we moved uh, here 60 years later, six years later. Uh, during the time we were there, the family all came in and built them a little deck and porch off the front of the house. Now, that would have been fine, except they put six-by-six six posts in each corner of the, at the end of the deck with the intent, I believe, that they were going to put a roof. Never happened. So, just posts with a deck. Uh, don't even know if they had... Did they put stairs down? I'm not sure they put stairs down. Okay, so they did put stairs down, but... You know, it was just, that was the way it was. So they had these ugly posts in the corners going, the posts to nowhere, you know. Um, my point is, the entire family was known by their conduct. Now, you can use what you want. I'm not going to be pretty. They were slobs. And everyone just kind of knew that. Everyone in town. And here's the truth. People are known by their character or conduct everywhere. It wasn't just their home. Um, you, you probably know some people not by their name, but by the old lady that walks every morning. Come on, seriously. Uh, you might know another neighbor as the neighborhood gossip or the nosy neighbor. Um, whatever might be the, the title, the, the family that keeps their blinds closed, the cranky old man down the street. It better not be one of you either. But the truth is, people are known by their actions. In fact, quite honestly, there's some people you don't even know their name in your neighborhood, but you know them by their actions, and you've got a title for them, and you would never call them that to their face. But you know because of the things that you observe. And so this first point is, I think, very challenging. How are you known? How are you known? 
when Proverbs talks about the house many times, it's just telling you, the house of the righteous, the house of the proud, the house of the strange woman, the house of, and it's all describing what a person is like. So if someone was to describe your house, what they, would they describe it by? What would they describe it as? How are you known? Second truth. The house that you have is the house you built. The house that you have is the house you built. Are you in chapter 24? I'm not sure I had you actually turn there. Go there if you would, chapter 24. And in verse 3, we have another reference to a house. He says, through wisdom is a house built, and by understanding it is established. You know, that's something that's encouraging to me uh, about, about the house that we're talking about, by the way, about the reputation you've, you've been known by, that can change. Isn't that encouraging? Look, I, I, the, the thought I wanted to share with you from chapter 24 and verse 3, the, the first point under that, that uh, second, second point in outline, letter A, is you can build a quality home. Isn't that good news? So look, whether someone knows you as such and such, wow, they're, they're, that's the troublemaker's house. <laughs> oh, man, that, that, is the, that is Mr. Negative's house. All right, those things can all change. And that's what's encouraging. If, if you will seek through wisdom, wisdom given to you by God, you can change the kind of home that you have. And you can build the right kind of house. And how important is it for us to all know that? Um, you might have a reputation. Your children might have a reputation. Even a child is known by his doings, whether his work is pure or whether it be right. So look, it doesn't matter what your reputation is now. The truth is you can change, you can, you can do some construction on your house and you can change it because the house that you have is the house you built or the house that you're building. Maybe we can put it that way. So that the things you're doing today can change a life. Albert Barnes suggests that the house here is figurative of an individual life. And what's interesting, I always love commentators because you, you kind of get the idea sometimes about passages that they have no idea what they're talking about is if a bunch of them say different things. And that kind of is the case here. We don't really know exactly what Solomon was trying to get across when he, he talked about this house that's built by wisdom. Adam Clark and John Gill, two other commentators, believe it was talking about the family. Now, we could argue this point to no end, but what is clear is this, is that you determine the kind of home that you have. You can build right. You can build a quality house if you choose to build a quality house. And that means if you're going to do that, you've got to follow exactly what, what, what Solomon talked about in Proverbs chapter 2. You've got to seek after, you've got to love wisdom. And if you'll seek after and love wisdom, here's the truth. You will change people's perception of your house. Because by wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding... Uh, it makes it, uh, a house is established. So you can build a quality home. And then the, the, the second thought under the house you have is the house you built is what you put into it. This is profound, I know, is what you get out of it. What you put into it is what you get out of it. Go back to chapter 11, if you would, for a moment, 
and verse 29. Chapter 11 and verse 29. And God actually says, what you put into it, you get out of it. Junk in, junk out. You know, you can put it however you want to put it. Um, You know, but what you put into it is what you get out of it. And notice what he says there. Someone read verse 29. So you trouble your house, what, what does God say? What you put in it is what you get out of it. Am I right? Uh, the word there, trouble, means to royal, to disturb, or afflict. And if you royal, disturb, that's royal as in R-O-I-L, okay? Uh, disturb, to, to uh, stir up in a bad way, to afflict. If you do that to your home, then you can account to the on, you can count on the fact that that that's what's going to come back to you. So the house you have is the house you you built, or the house you, you build, or the house you're building, however you want to put it. Uh, it's just important for us to remember that truth. Um, you know what kind of things trouble a home? What is roiling or disturbing or afflicting? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because in chapter 15 we have at least one suggestion. In chapter 15 and verse 27, we have someone who troubles his own house. And what is one way? 1527, if you didn't get the reference, I said. Greed. Okay? So greed might be one way. Now, before you take consolation that you're not troubling your house because greed isn't is an issue with you, great, I'm glad it isn't. But one commentator shared many ways people trouble their house. Uh, he, he said this, by being bitter to one, by provoking uh, people to wrath, by continually giving out menacing words to some. Uh, you might royal or, if you would, disturb your house uh, through idleness, not providing for your family, through a worldly spirit, or uh, being involved in business and concerning yourself only with that and not your home, hurrying it, uh, uh, hurrying through things beyond measure. Uh, you might royal your home through a bad temper or withholding things that your family needs. What you put into your house, in essence, he said, is what you get out of it. And we need to remember that truth. And Solomon brought that out in numerous ways. Look in chapter 14 in verse 1. What does a wise woman do? She builds her house. What does a fool do? Tears it down. All right, what you build with, you get, you get back, right? Um, look, if you would, I, now we're going to keep going back and forth. I know chapter 15 and verse uh, 6, in the house of the righteous, there's treasure. Um, now, it doesn't mean everyone who is, every, every righteous house has rich people in it, not the good and wealth and, and health preachers. But there's more to riches than just money. And uh, many commentators in talking about this passage say that uh, God hasn't promised that you'll be wealthy if you're righteous. But God does promise that you'll have a home that has, is a treasure, treasure to be in. And your life will be greatly blessed. And so what you put in is what you get out of it. Now, I, I, it's important to note and remember 
that Proverbs, many of the Proverbs are general truths. They are not meant as absolutes. So in other words, someone might put the right things in and not get a positive return. That's possible. It's not because God's word has failed. It's because um, there are other factors. You're not the only one in your home. And other people need to make the right decisions as well. Children need to make the right decision to submit to the authority of their parents and to uh, take the correction that is given to them and make changes in their life. Uh, a, a wife may need to respond and, and follow the biblical admonition to submit. A husband may need to work on loving. And if one or another are not working on that, then there may be trouble in the home that is not your doing. But God does indicate that many times the trouble we have is what we've done and what we've put into it, and we need to realize that as well. Um, now you say, is it possible and can we prove from the Bible that sometimes you can have a, a bad home situation and if you would, a, 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 an ugly looking house and it's not your fault? And the answer to that is clearly yes. And, uh, and I think we could just use the word Nabal and people would know that because he had a good wife, didn't he? Whose name was Abigail. Who's yeah? What's her name? What's her name? All right. Who who was godly? Who did that which was right? Who who was a a, a a wonderful wife, who had a home that was known as a terrible home, and it was because her husband made that choice. Here's the thing, though: you need to decide that no matter what goes on in your home and what other choices people make, that you're going to build the right kind of home and that you're going to seek to go the right kind of way. And Proverbs encourages that over and over through the use of this and discussion about it. And so, um, uh, by the way, when you say that it's possible to have a, a, a troublesome home uh, and, and it's not your fault, you know what the first thing we want to do is we want to say, well, I'm not the problem. And, and the truth is, if you have a troublesome home, you really do need to make careful examination of your life. Um, so the truth is, sir, you may have a bad wife. Ma'am, you may have a terrible husband. Children, you may have bad parents. Parents, you may have rotten kids. It's true. It's just true. Um, but in, the problem in saying that is that what happens is people will view themselves as a saint and their mate as the sinner. And it's really important when there's trouble in the home, that you just take an honest look at yourself and understand this, what you put in, in most every case, according to Proverbs, is what's going to be coming out. And may we live according to that. That's a very challenging thought because the problem, the problem, you say it might be you. And then the third point, third point, I said the third point, I learned to count in a Christian school. The third point. Um, your character and conduct has an impact on your home. You say, wait a second, Pastor, you've been saying that all along. Well, this is a little different, a little different direction. The first point spoke about the reputation you get based on your actions. The, the, the second point just talks about what you put in, you, you get back. 
But God, many times in Proverbs, talks about when you do certain things, you affect your home and have an impact on your home. Um, look, you positively or neg negatively impact your entire family by individual choices you make. And God wants you to know that. And it's important that you spend time thinking about that. And we know that to be true, but it's something that we often ignore. You know, here's a guy, let's say a man has a problem, and I, I'm going to bring up drink because I don't believe that's a problem with anyone here. He's, he's a drinker. Um, now, the truth is the problem could be temper, it could be lust, it could be envy, it could be greed, it could be hatred, it could be any number of things. But let's just say he has a problem with drink, and he's confronted by a fellow Christian, and they call upon him, this Christian friend calls on him to stop drinking. And his comment is, leave me alone. My drinking issues are none of your business. What I do with my own life is my choice. Well, look, if his drinking was truly only impacting his life, well, here's the truth of the matter is God tells Christians still to be involved because if a man's overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual restore such one in a spirit of meekness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. So God has given us a responsibility here regardless if he's only ruining his own life. But even if that were the case and there were no other scriptural arguments for it, a Christian who sees a man who's involved in drink and he's part of a home needs to or, or understands this or should understand this, that his choices are hurting his family. You say, how is it hurting? How is it hurting his family? Well, I, I mean, there, there's just so many different ways. How he acts when he gets home after drinking. The fact that his family doesn't have as much money to enjoy things that they need while he wastes it on something that's ruining his life and hurting his family. I mean, there's a lot of different things we could talk about. But the fact of the matter is his decision and choices aren't just impacting him, they're impacting his family in some way. Your choices impact those you live around and with. Many of verses share that truth. Look in chapter 15, since I think we're still there, verse 25. God said, the Lord will destroy the what? House of the proud. Isn't that, that interesting? You say, well, everyone that's proud in the house? Well, it seems like um, if there's proud people in the house, or maybe even one, there are negative results that come from someone who chooses to live that way. Verse 27, he that is greedy, greedy of gain. What does, he tr does he trouble himself? Does he impact only his own life? All right, so understand this. Decisions you're making, whether you see it or not, whether you understand it or not, are affecting your home. They are. Positively or negatively. Our opening verse in 12.7 talks about positively the house of the righteous is going to be blessed. It's going to stand. There are a number of verses that talk about that. So understand no man lives to himself. No man dies to himself. Romans 14 talks about everyone's life has an impact upon others and the choices you make are affecting your home. Now, now quite honestly, we could have made a list, but those three thoughts, quite frankly, are very, to me, very searching things. And they're questions we should all ask ourselves. And children in this room and teens in this room should ask their, themselves that question, those questions as well. 
Because your attitude in the home, yeah, you, teenager and young person, your attitude in the home and your attitude toward your parents has bearing an effect upon them. Your choices are either hurting or helping your home. So what are they? Are you a complainer? Are you always whining? Are you pushing for your way? See, this is a message for everyone, quite frankly, because everyone lives in a home and everyone is affecting people by what they do. And so I hope you will be challenged to ask yourself about your home and, um, and seek to live in such a way that your home has a good reputation and understand that the choices you're making are affecting your home and make the right kind of choices. Some good thoughts from God's word. Father, I thank you for the chance you've given me for just a brief time to uh, talk about some of the verses in Proverbs dealing with the home and how important it is to have the right kind of house and home and help moms and dads and children alike, all of us, to determine we're going to be a positive influence. We're going to take our homes in the right direction and be the right kind of person uh, in our home for the glory of God. And Father, if, if we'll all do that, it will make a difference not just in the homes that are represented here, but it'll make a difference in this church. And so I pray that we would all take very seriously a careful look at our lives and take very seriously the admonitions about the house in Proverbs. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you as you seek to make for the right kind of home. You're dismissed.